background onto what how we were educated or what kind of schools you went to so i'll start first um i went to my primary school was a state primary school it wasn't very good but i still managed it i went to a state again secondary school it was really good i stayed there from year seven to year 11 and then in sixth form from year 12 to year 13 two years i went to a grammar school again state funded so i've been to state school all my life but i've been like through not the worst of the worst but I've just been through casual and then like more I guess advanced in, in some respects and Olivia uh okay primary school uh I first I first went to a private school and then my dad got made redundant so I had to quit that I mean that's not the only reason there's a lot of um different things that go into it but I'm glad that I went out of that school then went to public state school, state school, that was jokes. Secondary school, state school, comprehensive, I think. Maybe it's because I'm doing, um, so I did sociology, so I'm thinking comprehensive school, state school. Um, and then sixth form, I think the one that I go to, or have gone to, I don't know if I'm if I'm in year 13 still or not, but the one that I go to now, I guess, is a state school, but it has a really, 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 no, grammar school. Like, it has a good reputation, let me just say. Yeah. Um, so that's about our education background. I feel like we, between the two of us, we've kind of been through all parts. You've been to private, I've been to state. We've, you've been to private, we've both been to state and I've been to grandma. So we're able to give an understanding to an extent of what it's like to experience the British education system. So in terms of um, facts, I can tell you that Britain ranks seventh in the best education um, systems in the world. And I think that's a quite an interesting fact because, I mean, I mean, we, we, we do have we do have quite a good a good system. I'm just waffling, but what I'm trying to say is like we come we come seventh, and I think that's pretty decent. I mean, I feel like we the way our schools, well, the schools I've been to, I can't speak for everybody, but we've been brought up. It's like you need to strive to be the best, and you kind of remain in this bubble where like, oh yeah, it's just being better than my peers in my classroom, but it's being better than everybody in the world because you're trying to strive to be the best and whilst English, English, British, let me not say English, British schools teach a wide range of um, skills, there's so much we don't learn but before we come on to what we don't learn, let's talk about what we do learn Olivia, what was one thing that you have learned, I guess let's start from your experience, the private school. I mean it was a private school, I don't know, I kind of I think when when you start off in a private school like you're not really aware of I don't want to say the privilege but just how things are in your school if that kind of makes sense like compared to state schools and other schools because you just you just assume that oh everybody has a swimming pool like the flip like you know so um, there was that. I also did kind of notice um, social status with the the gap in in people's different 
social statuses and stuff, um, which was definitely like very, um, it was very interesting, but I'm proud, no, I'm glad that I, I, I got out of that. Not to say that it was bad because it was actually a very, very good school, but I'm, I wouldn't be the person that I am today, most likely. So, um, yeah. Um, I think, not I think, but what I've understood is that from my experience of having not being educated in a private school, but always, I guess, wanting to and being some sort of, not jealous, but I just, I was just so intrigued. I'm a person who, um, most people know me to be, to love education. Like I absolutely love reading and love understanding more about what's going on especially when i like a topic i will be obsessed with it i want to know everything about it to t and that kind of thing i feel like in private schools is often widely way more accessible and available to you because you have teachers with the that we have which have niche qualifications and the smallest of things that a student might want to have and then you have everything to the class sizes and to the resources available um, I have a cousin who goes to a private school and when I say the things that they were doing are at an accelerated accelerated level, as in things that you would expect kids in your six to be doing, they were doing with kids in your twos. And it's not in terms of the academic work, but it's the level of exposure. Public speaking, I don't really think the first time I public spoke was until year six and that was in a school play, in year six, because that was the only opportunity we had in a, of a school play um, and you do your every year before you leave they have to do a school play in year six and the only other thing you did public speaking was singing the school song and maybe you have to do it on the front stage and you got that little sticker but in that private school i went to from a young age of year two they were teaching you to do lambda lambda is a form of public speaking they were engaging you with musical instruments and of course oh yeah we very- did that that was jokes sorry sorry to butt you out yeah i i definitely do agree like crazy how year two they'll just put you in a suite with all of these um, classical instruments and stuff like that. And then I think I learned how to play the clarinet. And then soon after that, I forgot. And I, I went from that, right, in my private school. I went from that to going to a, um, a public school where we would basically just watch Horrid Henry. <laughs> we, were just, we would just watch, it, we would just have like... um what's it called we'd have um golden time um and stuff like it was it was definitely a bit slower yeah like i feel like the private school system just is a bit more is widely more accessible because parents are giving that funding to the school to educate their children top class that's why you find that so many more people in private school at sixth form are likely to get into the lead top ranking universities just because they have that extra one-to-one and they know the teachers are specialized specialized in writing the perfect cv i mean perfect cv excuse me perfect personal statement perfect getting the students to achieve perfect um references making sure that their grades are up to standard and then beyond there it's on the students account to make sure that they also put in the work um, and in terms of what you learn in a private school, I feel like there's also a wider range. They can offer a wider range. And that's not just from the subjects that they can teach you at uh, 
private school, but also from actually the specifications they have. IGCC just tends to offer a completely different side of, of the English language, of, of the English language, English literature than, I mean, uh, AQA English does when you're learning Mr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And I never had to use the analysis since. I cannot lie, I'm not trying to insult anybody with who does English at A-level or GCC because you have to do it at GCC, but if you pick at A-level, fair so in doing so. But I feel like the skills, the skills was the use, the, the knowledge that we learn, it just kind of just, it just disappears. And I feel like the breadth of knowledge within um, public schools, state schools that is given. Of course, they can also pick IGCC, but it's just a bit more narrow because you have bigger class sizes. You have a greater a greater profile of students who want to do a greater range. And that sometimes means it's just more difficult to kind of pack in that high level content, which at times private schools have the access to, have the resources to, have the funding to promote in their schools. And that's why they, they do so well. But generally, I think, I think private school education is, is top tier and I wish I could say that it trickled down also into public and state schools, but it wouldn't be that, would it? Mm. No, it wouldn't. Um, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining because the majority of people do go to public schools. So it is what it is. Um, education system just in general can be um, stacked against people. And even though like, you, you are someone that's definitely, you might disagree with me, but you, you definitely have a strong suit in, in terms of academic studies. And that's not, that's the problem with like, just the way um, the, the school, the educational system in general is placed and is put like, take, take, take for example now when we're in, we're in lockdown and back in the day, right, um, they made us learn French and mind you, I actually did want to learn French. I was like, oh, right, it would be actually like really cool to learn another language. But the way that it was set out, like the learning about the different adverbs and verbs and this and that, like it was just so fixed and it wasn't fun and it wasn't, that's with a lot of things. And not just with me, but just in, with people in general that I find is that if you tell them to learn something and it's not necessarily to their interest, they're not really going to want to invest more time in terms of learning that subject. Like, even like I was saying now, I'm like, you know what? I want to go back into language learning. And instead of French, I, I chose Spanish. And listen, past two months, okay, I haven't been cramming in because I am very much a procrastinator. But within the past few months, in comparison to what I was learning back in the day, I have infinitely learned more in Spanish. I could, I, could, I could tell you like a Spanish paragraph or talk to you in a Spanish um, paragraph slowly, but I could, I could not do that 
in GCSE French. I could not, I could not do that because it's when, when you're, when you're put in a situation, like I said, um, where you're kind of forced to do it and it's not in a way that's fun, I'm going to get bored. That's why I failed. Okay. I didn't fail, but I did poorly in physics because I was, I did not care about physics. Like who wants to learn flipping physics? I don't. So I did not do well. Hence why my results was bad. But because Spanish is something that I'm interested in and because I learned or am, I am learning it in a way that's fun, I'm, I'm, gaining, I'm gaining access to my knowledge of it more easily because it's something that I take pleasure in. You understand? Yeah, and that leads me to the next question I have, which is how, how much do you think the British education system equips us for everyday life? So that's getting anything from jobs, um, f- um, trying to buy a house, just your everyday life beyond school. When you leave either 18 or you leave at 21, um, when you finish university, you however old it could be 23 or 22 but how readily do you think that the education british education system has equipped you to go out into the world and succeed in whatever career you wish to pursue um briefly i'll just say it hasn't (laughs) it hasn't really done that like if if um i think in the most of um equipping for everyday life that's I don't I don't think it's not really going to be fixed in the curriculum because the curriculum has studies that are things that you you might want to pursue in in a career later on but in terms of everyday day by day life not really like I remember our school had a seminar okay that makes it seem like our school is big even though it is but our school had all these different representatives from unis come in and this guy from student finance, if it wasn't for him, I would not, I would not know how to prepare myself financially in terms of student finance. If I wanted to pursue going to university, like if it wasn't for that or me actually physically going to my teachers or going to elders, on okay so how do I do this how do I you know do do this and that then I wouldn't really necessarily know although on the contrary um what I do not like is that a lot of schools do kind of force us to I don't know this is interesting because it's like a lot of schools kind of make it seem as if uni is the way to go. And so the school would push us with that. The school would pressure us into going like, okay, um, do your UCAS, you know, if you do your UCAS and if you sign up for UCAS, then we'll let you come into school later on this day and that day, like, and they'll help us with that. Like, they'll be like, okay, here's the advice with this. Here's the advice with that. But, what if you don't want to go to... And I feel like that's life. 
as you get to two, as you get older, you're given more options. You can either go down the route once you do further education, you can do your A-levels, you can do your B-techs, you can do a mixture of A-levels and B-techs, you can go to college, you can go to do an apprenticeship. Like there's so many different pathways that give you into getting into these routes, but there's certain things that you just don't, you just don't learn. Like money management, cool. Money management. I feel like this is going to be a podcast that we might do. We might do a little, um, as part of our economical side, economical, I don't even think I said economical, economical. Uh, let's call it financial as part of our financial side of this podcast we'll try to do i think one thing i think i'm interested in hearing on a podcast i don't hear too much is let's we'll try and go into the specific of financial what we've uh, of getting people in talking ourselves of what we're learning as we're going through it because they don't really talk about finances in in um in in uh in school like they, they really don't talk about personal finances you have the odd lecture here and there and you had the odd guest speakers come into your school but you don't really you don't really learn about it like as what you would I guess you would expect and it's kind of just left you're just left to fend yourself when you reach the big world and that's why people can sometimes get into issues in terms of other things that I feel like the school curriculum British school curriculum doesn't necessarily prepare you for is I guess the working environment you're told to you're, you are told that, in fairness, you've got to give it to them because we're really coming them with what we don't learn. But what we have learned is how to be on time and how to dress appropriately. Because in the UK, we have, um, we have to wear uniforms. So you're, you, you, from a young age, you're told this is what it looks to be smart. And that's how we have such... You find when you go into London, you have all the guys with their suit and ties, women with blouse and the skirt and all the dress and really, really, really prim and proper because we've instilled that culture in them from a young age. Um, in primary schools, we had to wear uniform. Where I look at my friends and my family in different countries around the world, in America, Canada, Sweden, Holland, just the name of a few countries where I know people personally studying there, you don't wear school uniform. You wear what you want Monday to Friday, every day to school. So it's just casual wear. And I feel like I read this somewhere. When you wear smart, you feel smarter. You look smarter. You act smarter. You just you just act in a way that you're you're supposed to be. And you're not supposed to be, but you act, more, I guess, professionally, dare I say. And so being being educated in the British um, system, I can say, yeah, we have learned. We've learned how to be smart and we've learned how to be on time. Because every time I was late, uh, Olivia will come and tell you about every time you were late in our school, if you're one minute late, behave point. And our head of year love to tell people, come to my office after school. As soon as you're late for school, you get a little little note. Your parents get a little notification. This kid didn't come to school. As soon as you're one minute late, you have a half an hour of detention the same day for being late. And so it kind of drilled into you like, hey, I can't be late for school. And I thank God because now imagine if you're late to an interview, like, Deeper in the financial world, you being interview can be the difference between you getting the job and you not getting the job. And in a time like this, everybody wants to hustle. Everybody wants to hustle. Mm. I agree. I'm sorry, I was just laughing right there because you were talking about the lateness. That just made me laugh because this is off topic, but I just remember whenever I was late so many times for school I was late so many times they knew my name they were like okay it's Olivia <laughs> like they saw me coming from the gate and they're like mm-hmm, okay they were like and then like sometimes I would just like I, I I didn't stay 
I think either I must have bunked the half an hour after school or I would just tell them because obviously going to school, it was a bit further. So I'd just be like, oh, I'd be like, oh, sorry. Um, sorry, the Patricia. Hun, the, the, the train got cancelled, didn't it? And they're like, okay, cool. But just make sure next time. And I'd be like, <laughs> yes. But definitely when, when it comes to... Um, as you were saying, when it comes to like, if you have an interview, you yeah, can't be, exactly, you can't be late because that kind of, that employer has a whole line of, of, of other people that are trying to take your spot. And if you don't, if you don't, if, if you're not on time, then that won't be job or to be a good parent but you will need to think through tough problems you'll need to think on your feet you'll need to know how to gather facts and evaluate information so